Hey, um, last week we just started to talk a little bit of, into the season of Lent and how in the season of Lent, God is giving us a big invitation to being drawn up into his story of love, his work of love, his, his power, his grace, his forgiveness, and that as we look at Jesus and we spend time in the scriptures remembering Jesus and his journey from the top of the mountain where he's like um, <clears throat> the epiphany. It's like he's all glowing because it's like there he is with Moses and Elijah and God's the Father speaking over him. And the Father says, listen to my son now. Uh, and then from the top of the mountain, Jesus then goes and makes the declaration, the son, of God, the son of man must be crucified and died and on the third day rise again according to the scriptures. And he takes the long journey from the mountaintop to the cross. And he, and he, and he has squarely, he has got the cross square in his vision he's not he, he he knows what awaits him he is a person walking with power and purpose and as we see Jesus as we look at Jesus and we give our life into him we identify our life is his life is found in his life our our sin is forgiven in and through his sacrificial love on the cross and in his resurrection, by faith, you and I, we become these new creations, new creations filled with Jesus. So we started that journey last weekend and we, we, we began to reframe our life, you know, where we're no longer the centre. You're not the centre of your own story, <laughs> believe it or not, but you're not the centre and I'm not the centre of my own story either. Jesus takes that claim for the follower of Jesus and, and for those of us that might um, be trying to nudge Jesus out of the centre, his love is pretty consistent and he will continue to make his way known back into the centre so that you can have some great perspective about your life. And um, we made that journey and this week we're going to talk a little bit more about just before Jesus goes to the cross. So get your Bible ready. We're going to go into John chapter 12 um, and it's, it's about when Jesus enters Jerusalem. Um, it's often called Palm Sunday but that's actually in the calendar next weekend. Uh, but we're, we're, we're just going to look at that this week a little bit and, um, and find our way through that together. So... John chapter 12, if you've got your Bible with you, and we're going to pick up in verse 12 in just a moment's time. Now, uh, I'm going to ask um, Nate, who's up there on the sound desk, could you pop that um, PowerPoint up there for me? I think Neil's going to come and find it for you and pop it up there. But before we get there, there's a vineyard, old vineyard pastor, and <clears throat> old he is now, now and older these days, uh, but um, he, was the, um, he was the Vineyard National Director in Canada for many years, Gary Best, and he's an author and he's a great practitioner of the love of Jesus and um, he loves the body of Christ and he's still busy <clears throat> doing that sort of work. But he makes, a, he makes a comment in his book, Naturally Supernatural, and his comment is this. He says, my concern, my great concern is how long will we, being Jesus's people, Will we continue to ask for and look for the kingdom to come? 
So that's, you know, that's a guy who's journeyed the journey for a, a good length of time. And his concern as he continues on into maturity is how long will we continue to ask for and look for the kingdom to come? Let me just check I've got this remote working here. Yes, we have. There we go. So <clears throat> that's Gary's uh, concern. And this week, I've kind of been pondering a few things. Uh, in light of our, our circumstances and our challenge with regards to you know, COVID-19 and all of those realities and the impacts of dislocation and isolation and the impact that it's had on families and churches and the mission of Jesus. And it's had me thinking through again my own personal journey with Jesus. It's had me thinking through again uh, my, my journey with Jesus and my family it's had me thinking again about my journey with Jesus, my journey with my family and my local church family. And Gary's concern of am I looking for and asking for the kingdom is continuing to kind of rattle around in the back of my mind and, and on the forefront of my heart through the course of those reflections as I'm spending time with my family, uh, with the Lord, pondering these things. And I'm asking myself these sort of big questions. Am I still spiritually hungry for the kingdom to break in after, you know, 30 years of following hard after Jesus? And, you know, despite all of the, the Yahoo moments of breakthrough, the, the frustrating and disappointing and delayed moments of the kingdom not breaking in, of seeing friends rise into great strengths in Jesus and seeing people even fall way, way, way away from Jesus. In all of the mix of all of it, I'm like, am I still hungry to see the kingdom come? And am I still asking for Jesus to make a difference in the, in the world that I'm living in? Or have I become this kind of content, well, you know, I'm... I'm 50, I'm kind of like, maybe it's someone else's responsibility to be enthusiastic now. Maybe I'll just sort of move on into the, you know, remember the Muppet show? Yeah. <laughs> Those two old blokes up in the, up in the you know, the bleachers. <laughs> it's like, rah, 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 rah. Or am I going to become one of those that just like, I'm just fed up with everyone and culture and you've all lost the plot and rah, 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 rah. You know, am I going to become that? As I'm going forward, cynical is the word. That is exactly it. Well, anyway, as I've been pondering this sort of stuff and thinking it through, you know, I was having lunch at a, at a large family gathering last Sunday afternoon for my dad's birthday and, and one of my nephews, he walked in and, well, he hobbled in and he, um, he's damaged his ACL and so he's booked for surgery in a couple of weeks' time and so forth and he's trying to do his... Uh, I think he's doing year 11 and he's doing a thing in plumbing as well, a part-time. And so, um, <clears throat> but anyway, he's, uh, his ACL's all damaged and he kind of hobbles around the room. And, and I was just like, you know what? It's the end of the lunch. Everyone's had their fill. We've all, we're all kind of comatosed by the food and the, and the good wine. And, and we're just enjoying each other's company and laughing a lot. And then it was time for uh, my nephew to leave. And I just was like, I can't let him leave without at least asking Jesus to do something about his knee. Now, whether Jesus does something or not, that's not on me, that's on Jesus. 
but I can't, I just can't let him leave. So I said, here, said, sit down, mate. I'm going to pray for you. He goes, oh, thanks, Uncle Kirk. And so, you know, I got down on my knees and I, I laid hands on his knees. Now, there was nothing dramatic or powerful. There was no lightning bolt of, you know, kingdom that came with healing, even though I believed for it in that moment. And then his, his, mum, and his mum came up to me afterwards with tears in her eyes and just said, thank you. You know, have we stopped even paying attention to the obvious that's right in front of us because of our own fatigue of trying to follow the king, where we've tried to live out of our own strengths and our own resources and our own worldview rather than out of the very person of Jesus who is alive in you and me, the hope of glory? Or are we resigning ourselves to the cynicism of the world. Have I stopped asking for the kingdom to come? This Lent, the Holy Spirit is sweeping me up into a very fresh and powerful revelation of God's love for my life, for my family and for my church family, for my region. Silly enough that I get up at 5.30 on a Sunday morning and come and clean the streets of the debris of the people of my region. His life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, Lent is a big, big, big moment for every single one of us to have our lives reframed again and reorientated to Jesus and into the story of his love for his world rather than his love to make my life more palatable. Come on. Lent is the invitation of the Spirit to come and reframe our daily living and our future hope with a better story. Can you identify the Spirit in this last week as He's been drawing near to you? That was a really good exercise that Stephen led us in at the start of worship. Stop. Be quiet. Listen. Engage. Really good, really good practice. Have we grown cold because of the pain that's been projected on us or the pain that we've put onto others that we feel so guilty and shame-based about or the sin that we just keep getting caught up in and that we just can't seem to get over, get through or get around that's, that we've committed against ourselves or even we've committed against others, let alone against Jesus? Have we concluded that life really doesn't get much more better than it is right now? Can you remember in this last little while where the Spirit came and empowered you to bring the kingdom? And my suggestion might be, if we're scratching for a memory, it's telling us something. We're not looking for the king to come. If we're scratching for memories, then we're actually stopped looking. John chapter 12. Have a look at this. Verse 12. Would you read with me? It's not on the screen, so you will need your own Bible or your own... Um, um, 
app on your phone. John chapter 12. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. The next day, the crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Let's just stop right there. Let me give you some backstory. The festival, we all love a good festival. Just go to the Eaton's Hill Hotel. Most weekends, there's a massive festival down in the paddock, down the back. There's always festivals going on. We love beer and wine festivals. We love cheese festivals. We love cake festivals. We love a good festival. Well, so does the people of God. They love a good festival. So they're having a festival. Now, what this festival is, it's called Passover. And every year, what would happen is the people of the Jewish nation, they would down tools from wherever they were and they would, like geographically as well, they would down tools and they would, as a people, they would begin this journey together to Jerusalem. And they would come to Jerusalem. And what they would do on the way is the first thing is they would start telling stories well, the first, the first thing you've got to hang on to is they did something together. They didn't do it alone. They didn't do it, I'm, I'm doing it on my... They did it together. They did this journey together. So they journeyed together, and then what they would do is they would sing these songs together. They would sing together. Powerful, powerful thing to sing It's a gift from God to be able to sing with others, to be able to hear the voice of others around you singing. I mean, culturally, we're really hot for this. You know, it's like you go to the footy on a Friday night, everyone's singing, everyone's yelling, everyone's... We know how to do that. You know, we even know how to do that in the body of Christ, with Christ in our midst. We know how to sing. They would sing together. They would worship God together. And they would tell the story of how God had delivered them and set them free. And they would recount that. They'd, they'd recount it to the oldest person on the journey. And they'd recount it to the baby in the arms on the way of the journey. And they would tell the story. Remember how our God, the God above all the other gods, chose Abraham way back. And, then, and they would tell the story all the way through to Moses and his God would deliver them from the oppressive rule of Egypt and set them on the path to their own land and their own life in God with the promise that as they did that with God, he would through this little group of people, this little nation of people, he would bless the entire world with blessing and restore the world to right relationship with God and justice and healing and provision for all. So they're coming with this sense of it's time to worship God. It's time to be um, together and it's time to be reconciled. It was a time of lots of sacrificial lamb type stuff. So there was, I, I, I went back and read it during the week, but there, I can't even tell you the, the stats off the top of my head, but I'm talking hundreds and thousands of, of lambs slaughtered and the blood was flowing and the barbecues were happening. It was like they were celebrating God's reconciling love of washing away sin and making everything right again. This is the festival they're coming for. This is what they're doing. And as they're participating in this, the other thing is this. 
they're also getting together and they're going, there's this other cry that starts to rise up when they get together. It's like, how long, oh God? How long are we going to have to continue to do this until you make everything right? So it's this time, it's the... It's this really massive festival includes all of that. And so it's a time where people are going, oh, how much longer until the king brings the kingdom? Oh, how much longer until COVID-19 has dealt its final blow? How long, oh God? How long? As that cry starts to rise up. And with that rising up, they start to picture a future even as the future is breaking in on them of what it would look like with God as king and making everything right. And even you and I, we're all, and our you know, world leaders are all starting to paint a picture of what the world's going to be like post-COVID-19. The hope is stirred. The, the vision is coming. It's all that sort of stuff. So when you read that simple little word that um, they'd come for a festival, that's what festival means. Got it? Hello? Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's pick it back up there. Verse 13. They took palm branches and they went out to meet Jesus, shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a donkey and sat on it as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming to you, seated on a donkey's colt. Now that's how that, he's quoting there, John's quoting there a, um, a, prof, a prophetic word from um, Zechariah. Zechariah. So he's pulling out of the long story and saying, here it is, folks, it's happening right before your eyes. At first, his disciples didn't understand all of this, and only after Jesus was glorified did they realise that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. And now the crowd that was with him when he called the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, they had gone out to meet Jesus. And so the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look, the whole world's gone after him. It's a great, great account. A couple of little things that I want to just quickly pick up on this morning. Jesus is both our example and our invitation to a life of living in the kingdom of God. And so there's just a few little snaps I want to pay attention to in what happened with Jesus. Uh, there we go. In John 12, 23, the scripture says, the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, as John was quoting, writing down what Jesus was saying. And then in verse 27, he says, now it is for this reason that I came to this hour. Jesus lived with a very strong sense of purpose. And that purpose was found in the big context of what God was doing. Not outside of it, not on the edge of it, but in the centre of it. Jesus knew why he was there and what he was about. Now, all of the world's biggest Motivational speakers, 
They will tell you all over the internet and all over the world. You've got to know your why. Why are you getting up out of bed today? What's the thing that's causing you to want to rise and engage with your day? What's your why? Well, Jesus knew his why. He knew who he was. He knew why he was there. And he knew exactly the moment. It's, it's interesting. They use the word chronos, time, the time. Chronos. Jesus literally knew this is the time. This is why I'm here. And this is who I am. Where are you this Lent? As we begin to journey to the cross once again, and consider the extravagant love of God in Christ dying on the cross and dealing with our sin and our shame and setting us free. Where are you this Lent in that story, in that act of God? Have you stopped to consider that? When we don't know where we are in that story, we can't give ourselves to that story but this advent sorry this lent this easter god wants to let you in on his wonderful plan for your life when we do i and i'm i'm sure most of you are aware of this but when we do begin to get a grasp of why am i here what is my purpose and who am i they are the very things that the enemy of god will come hard after to steal them from you so that you will not be found in the story of God for your life. Jesus is our, ex our example and he articulates that he lived with God purpose informing him. He used that phrase, I only do in John 5, 19. I only do what I see my dad doing. He had a strong sense of purpose for his life. And do we, this Easter, know God's powerful, loving purpose for our life? Or do we kind of just keep limping from one experience to the next? Well, maybe I'll just line up and hopefully get another holy shot of something to get me to the next bit. Have we given ourselves over to limping? Have we given ourselves over from oh, just one more experience or... Maybe just one more relationship. That one's failed. I'll, I'll go again and maybe that'll do it. Or maybe it's um, moving from one like, oh, I'll get rid of that job in the hope that I get this job and because that's got more resource to it and that'll make it all right. Or, or we, 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 we get stuck in addictions, whatever they are. Emotional addictions, emotional connections, physical addictions, mental addictions. We get, we get caught up in all this stuff and it's like, oh, well, maybe I'll just go from one addiction to the next and hopefully that'll make it better. Do we limp from one fad, one addiction or one dream? Oh, I've got a dream. Well, I'll toss that one in the bin. Oh, I've got a dream. I'll toss that in the bin. Oh, I've got a dream. And we just keep limping from dream to dream to dream rather than entering into the story of God's love for his world. Where are we? Where are you? Jesus and the gift of God this Lent, this Easter, is to help you and me understand we can be a people 
of strength and grace and humility, filled with purpose and vision, knowing who we are, knowing our place in God's work, and knowing exactly what time it is and what this moment requires of us. We can live that in God by, the, by his grace. People often say to me, well, what's your why, Kirk? Well, my why is beautifully articulated from Paul in Galatians 2.20. For I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. That's my why. What's yours? What's your why? Why did you get out of bed? Why did you choose to put on clothes and come down here on a sweaty, humid Sunday morning to sit in this place? Why? Why? What's our why? Have you got a hold of it? Have you got a hold of him? It's Jesus. The other is this. Disciples are a people who are attentive to the heart cry of others. See, in that, in that account where Jesus is coming in, he can hear the cry of the people. The cry of the people is, save us, save us, make everything right. Please be the one who would just turn this whole shamozzle into something worth gold and beautiful and full of meaning and life. Please be the one. You know, this week there was a massive heart cry on the streets of our own country. The cry of the people. We want a country where there's no more sexual violence in the workplace, in the home, in the streets particularly with regards to the well-being of the women of our nation. The cry went up. Did we hear it? Do we allow our lives to be gripped by the cry? And who will we be towards that cry? Will we be the people of Jesus? who will step into that really awkward, difficult space of conversation and not having necessarily all of the answers and tools or even using the politically correct right words. But will we allow God to take us closer to the cry that was going up? Now that people were crying all the sorts of stuff on the placards, but what they're saying in that is, someone help. That's what was going on as Jesus is tottering along on a little donkey's colt. Jesus' people allow their lives to be attentive to the cry of those around them. Jesus was deeply aware and attentive to the cry of those around him that he'd come to help, to make things right, to set everything free, to overcome the darkness and the powers and to heal the sickness. How attentive and how engaged are we allowing God through our lives to partner with Jesus to bring his love and his kingdom 
to be the very solutions to the cries that are going up in our streets. Who, who, who's hearing the cries? Who's hearing the heart of God? Who's allowing their life, like Christ, to enter into that space? And he didn't come with judgment. He didn't come with words of you, silly people. You just need to do this or fix that. It says he came, Zechariah said he came on a, he would come on a donkey. That would literally mean in peace. He stepped into the hardest places where you think power and aggression would be the way to clear the decks and make everything right. And yet Jesus goes not long after this to the garden where his disciples, because Jesus is about to get lynched, the disciples are like, let's get into the guards, you know, let's take a knife to them and a sword to them. And Jesus said, put it away. You don't understand. The peace of the kingdom of God is so much more powerful than the aggression of power and the soulish energy of a human being to make things right. We're about to enter Passion Week. It's that week where once again, God visits our hearts with our, we hope and we ask that he would visit our hearts with renewal and life. And in doing so, our hearts would become alive. But let me say, as much as you ask for God, I just wanna front up. As much as you ask God to bring you alive, in asking for that prayer, your heart will become alive to the people around you as well. Because this is the way of God. Will we let draw, God draw us up into his kingdom, his better story, the one that brings hope and healing to the people and the situations that we live in? Will we allow the spirit to come and take our current understanding of God's purpose and mature it, grow it, Take us further down that, as I said last week, red pill, <laughs> narrow way, and have our eyes truly opened. To take us even further into the will and the love of God, to touch the world with his love, to touch the world with forgiveness, to bring healing and restoring power. It may start with your own kids, nieces, nephews, people that come into your workplace. And then it, you might, it might just start there that you become attentive and then broaden out from there. Oh, I noticed someone in my workplace wasn't well or they expressed a cry. Will I allow myself to move towards them with the love of Jesus? And lastly, I think um, Jesus... <clears throat> I only do what I see my father doing. And in John 12, 15, it says, the, the, the prophet Zechariah was quoted, see, your king is coming. In other words, can you see? Open your eyes. This is the king. He didn't necessarily fit what other people wanted in terms of expectation of a king, but he was the fullness of God. Colossians 1 tells us that in Jesus Christ, God dwelt fully. Do you see what the Father's up to?
Where did you see him bring the kingdom this week? Whose heart cry did you hear him coming to? Lent, it's an amazing season. And as disciples of Jesus, we want to be filled by the Holy Spirit to take this journey. Lent's a powerful time of invitation from God. And I want to encourage you, do not, do not close your ear as you've done in times of rebellion past. Do not close your ear to the invitation of the mercy of a life spent full of purpose and meaning in God. I wonder if the concern of Gary has been realised. Have we ceased calling for the kingdom to come? I wonder if Gary was onto something there. Lastly, there is a move of God that's happening in the earth right now. The Spirit of God is being poured out and moving in power and invitation on all flesh. Not, not, not just in some locations, but like the whole earth, God is pouring out his Spirit. Jesus' kingdom is coming with salvation, with healing, with justice, with hope. Jesus has commenced a kingdom of God agenda in his life, death and resurrection that would see heaven and earth reconciled and that people would enter the good news as God makes everything right. I know historically for a bunch of us, we got told that we need to give our life to Jesus so that we've got a secure destiny way after we leave this earth and we have an eternal well-being. That eternal well-being includes a complete restoration of the heavens and the earth. That's why with every prophetic word through the Old Testament and the New, and even in Paul's letters, he's continually saying, Christ has reconciled everything, both in the heavens and on the earth, so that in Jesus it all comes together and it's made new. Not so that you get some sort of ghost ethereal body where you spend your eternity floating around singing, oh, that's not what the Bible says. God is restoring everything that he has made. And he is returning at the end of the end. He is returning to make sure that that work is done completely and sin and all its brokenness is rid once and for all time. That's our eternal destiny. We get to become fully alive human beings, filled with the knowledge of God as he fills everything in every way. Yes! Bring that kingdom. Bring it now. Let our hearts be filled with that prayer this Easter. Zechariah, let's go back to him just to finish with. Zechariah 9.10 says, He will proclaim peace to the nations and he will, <laughs> again it's here, he will extend from sea to, his rule will extend from sea to sea and from the rivers to the end of the earth. 
There's actually no mention of heaven there, is there? Now, I'm not dismissing heaven. Please hear me. There is an eternal safety and security of relationship. Once we die, we, get to, we don't stay in the place of the dead as those who know Christ. We get to live with him in his presence to the day that the resurrection of the dead happens according to the scriptures when Christ comes again. And we will rise to meet him as he comes upon us in the air like a king, no longer on a donkey, but on the great white horse. And we will meet him and we will cheer him in, even as they did the Roman governors of the day. They would line the streets and say, here comes our king. And he is bringing to us all of the goods and the bounty and the booty of everything that he has gone to a far country to win for us. And we get to share in the joy of it all at no cost to ourselves. And this is for the whole of God's creation. Man, I feel like running a marathon when I actually start to engage with what it is that God's up to. I know I might not last more than 1.5K, but, you know, it catches me. You know, some of us here today are crying Hosanna for our own life. Come and meet Jesus right now. Let his kingly love lead your life. Some of us here are hearing the Spirit stirring our hearts to cry out Hosanna for those around us and for our country. Come and let the Spirit lead you into that place of intercession with Jesus and engagement with Jesus as you move towards those you hear crying out. And some of us are here hearing the call to maturity and love-filled discipleship with Jesus filling our every day because we know our 